We're back to Neil Haley showing my guest today is Steve Wright, former cowboy, former Raider and former survivor and best-selling author. Steve, thanks. Aggressively human. Steve, great to have you back on. But I'm going to talk about America's team, which I'm dreading to talk about America's team just because I'm a Steeler fan. And, you know, the Steelers did have the best of the Cowboys, those four Super Bowls when I was a young, young lad. But I mean, the Cowboys in some general, why do you think they're America's team? You think, why Dallas? Why not the Washington, whatever there are now, right? No, it's, 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 of, it, yeah. It's a great, it's a great question. Um, I think it's just kind of the all-American look of the star. Um, uh, just the, the Dallas, they're just, they're such rabid fans. Um, just, uh, it was an amazing team to start my career off with in 1981 with coach Tom Landry, who was a legend during his time. So um, started with him and all the other coaches had to, um, no one else quite reached up to, to his level. It was, uh, it was an awesome start to my career. Yeah. And, and you talk about America's team. Do you think it's the, what kind of, I guess people just took on the Cowboys as America's team. Is it because of the stories of the players? Because you were there at about that time when they became America's team, right? Uh, yeah. A little before that they had won the Super Bowl. Um and then again, just the the blonde-haired cheerleaders. The, I think they had the, the, the you know they had the cheerleaders that everybody, all the young girls wanted to emulate. Uh, all the other uh, football teams wanted to emulate. Um, they had so many great stars from Tony Dorsett to Drew Pearson. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, fantasizing to play with the Dallas Cowboys, just like every other kid did. So it's the cheerleaders, it's the it's the facilities. Well, let's talk about the, how they really saw the facilities. Who was the ownership at that time of the Cowboys? Before the days of Jerry Jones, we know oh, how he was. I, I can remember. It's Clint Murchison. Um, he, he owned the team back uh, in my day. And, you know, it was just Dallas was Dallas was big. The show Dallas was, was going on, um, which everybody was watching. Um, it was a lot of flash, a lot of money. Um, it was the hottest, uh, I think, employment place pretty much on the planet at the time. Money was everywhere. And the Cowboys were kicking butt. My first year, we were 12 and four and just missed the Super Bowl by uh, 40 seconds when Dwight Clark made the catch. But they just surrounded themselves with the best. Mike Ditka was my special teams coach and the and the uh, uh, tight end coach. And then he went on to the Bears. And um, they had the first doctor of physiology in the NFL uh, working uh, as our conditioning coach, Dr. Bob Ward. And then he'd bring in people like uh, Don, I think his name was Don, Dan Enusanto, who was Bruce Lee's partner. Um, oh wow! So he taught all the offensive and defense alignment, hand-to-hand -hand combat, slaps and grabs and pushes and and trips and kicks and yeah, it was it was an awesome experience. And they had you know the, I think the first team to really use the uh, deprivation tanks where we would get inside in the floating water, the salt water and float and blackness, and then they would you'd lay on your back and they'd have a VHS tape, and so we could watch you know, the game we're going to be playing next, the team we're playing next, and um, just way ahead of their time with uh, every every aspect of their training. So you think about, I'm going to go Steelers, Cowboys. Here's the reason why, because that's all I know about the Cowboys, pretty much. I mean, I know a lot, the Steelers, but the things that every time leading up to the Super Bowl, I was a really young kid, but I'm remembering 
the storylines at that time uh, is that, you know, blue collar Pittsburgh Steelers, Cowboys, they were just at a different level. Like, you know, Hollywood Henderson, you think of all the different stories of different people at that time with the Cowboys that, you know, they're there. You, you said you said about the training, the facility, Pittsburgh Steelers, blue collar. We're not going to be putting up with all this stuff that the Cowboys do with the glitz and glamour and everything. That was pretty much it. You said your locker room was kind of that way, right? Like real. It was. And, and, and look, it works for works for everybody. It certainly worked for the Pittsburgh Steelers, just iron work and tough blue collar smash in the mouth, having uh Lambert, Jack Lambert, missing his two front teeth, you know, the Count Dracula look, you know, standing over the middle and and uh, mean Joe Green. And yeah, it was just, that was some really good football. And I hate to sound like an old guy, but football is just not quite the same anymore to me. It's, uh, you know, there's I think there's been 50 new penalties brought on just since right. 2000, just really containing the play and making sure everybody's okay and you can't slam somebody. And, right. I don't know. I'm a little old school. I like to see a little more slamming going on, but um, yeah, Steelers were great. You know, everybody's got their time. Um, Raiders had their time, but they are just struggling bad. Um, yeah, it's just like the, the Steelers. Uh, the, the yeah, so La- let's go to Tom Landry's hat. Sure. What the heck's up with Landry's hat? Right, that was so. He was he back in the time still that he should have been in the the time of the uh, of the first Super Bowl in a way with his hat and everything and how yeah, he yeah, yeah, himself. It, yeah, it was uh, always cool, calm, and collected. You never saw him raise his voice. Never heard him raise his voice. And we were required back then to always wear a coat and tie on the plane. Even if you were at night, 10 o'clock in your hotel room the night before, and you wanted to go get a bucket of ice down the hall, you had to put your shirt and tie on to walk down the hall. Everything was prim and proper and gentlemanly and courteous. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a whole nother world. Do you think that's why the quarterbacks of the Cowboys at that time were so much like Landry? In a way, like you could look at Danny White, then you look at before that Roger Staubach. You look at those specific kind of quarterbacks that they were very respectful, very uh, humble compared to like other, like Bradshaw. <laughs> that was not Bradshaw. Yeah, painting outside the lines just just uh, wouldn't make it with the Cowboys. You know, we had some flashy guys like Butch Johnson doing the dances in the end zone. But other than that, no, you just did your job like Dorsett and flipped the ball to the, flipped the, ball to the uh, referee and, and jog back to the, the sidelines. It was just, there wasn't a lot of flash. It was just get the job done um, efficiently. And I think you could see see that the Cowboys were an efficient team. And that's that's why, we, why Landry ran practices and meetings and everything else. It was a business. And where, where did Landry get that from? It's a business. Especially at that time, you know, football was not the value the, the the contracts were definitely not there and i'm sure the coaches weren't making the money they're making now uh, i think he was I, I believe he was uh an assistant at some point under um lombardi and oh. some, some of the other old guys were you know lombardi would start off every year at training camp this is a football and these guys have been playing they've been on the team for five years or whatever coming out of this is a football and I want you in a stance like this and just break it down and simplify it. And this is when it's going to be done a little different. 
Now we're seeing coaches in a different aspect. Now, if we thought college coaches could continue to be the, the college coaches like to yesterday's NFL coaches. Now NFL coaches can't be like yesterday's NFL coaches because the game is so different. We're starting to see that in college as well, and that could be something to discuss because of the players getting paid in college. How you're seeing college coaches have to be different than they were that's these hard nosed type coaches are disappearing off the college face. Uh, what did you learn from Tom Landry that, you know, we talk about specifically life lessons. What do you think you learned from coach Landry? Uh, let's see. Well, one thing I'd like to, to hit on is just where you just coming from. And I just, I couldn't imagine being a coach this day and age with the salaries these guys are making and the attitudes and, you know, these guys are, are bigger than the coach. So that would be, that would just be a nightmare, but um, Landry actually, you know, he had, he had quite a, um, uh, a pool of coaches come out under him that, uh, all really kind of taught the same way, except for Mike Dick, it was, you know, crazy on the sidelines, but he was always that way. Um, what I just learned from him was, uh, do your job, not a lot of flash, you know, you know, let, let your, let your actions speak more than your words, um, be a gentleman um yeah it's just uh yeah that's yeah yeah i guess and that and you learn so much from these different coaches and things like that and uh, mike dicka i mean dicka i again i'm a huge dick fan because of Pitt, but also because dicka is just the bears uh to see him develop and then become the coach of the bears that must have been nice right because you build those relationships with the assistant coaches sometimes more than the head coach right yeah i'm actually trying to track uh down mike dick and now i think he's in florida um he was in chicago there for a long time after he retired and had his restaurant there but i speak about him quite a bit in my book um bring him up probably in three or four different chapters and just what a mentor he was to me and different things he taught me and so I'm trying to track him down just to get him a copy and thank him. And same with Archell. Really? Uh, See, Dick, I might have a connect to that. So it's interesting you bring up these kind of situations. I uh, was almost where they, they do certain things for certain retired players. Like I had Billy White Shoots Johnson on my show with an organization that was working with it in Vegas. I got to think of what organization that is. But go figure. We have these conversations on a podcast radio show. But I can roll with the punches. So thinking about facilities, thinking of the Cowboys today, do you think that they still look at all those things that were learned from those days, you are a Cowboy, to how the Cowboys operate today in a way that they can still continue to sell out, even though they don't win all the time, they continue to have a great a brand that is the brand that is for Thanksgiving us uh every thanksgiving that i think, I think, we, I think we would all say that but i think jerry jones would say it's all him um this is this is this is something i built and he actually did too he's uh you know he's so hands-on it's got to be a nightmare you know a little bit uh, al davis was was the same way it's al was at every practice and that he built that that mentality of just you know beat the snot out of each other and um beating on the coaches too. He would call, I lived in the same building as him, as him when I was uh, with the Raiders in Reina Del Rey. And he was up till three, four o'clock in the morning watching practice film from the day before and call his coaches at two, three o'clock in the morning and ask them about, you know, what's right doing stepping right instead of left. And, you know, just little crazy things, but you know, that's how meticulous and he just lived football. Um, I was joked about how al davis he hated talking about football 
but he loved talking about smash mouth dominating football. They were completely different topics. But yeah. Well, now Jerry Jones, did you ever meet Jerry Jones? I haven't. Um, I haven't. And it's just, I'm not sure if I'd like to, but he just, you know, he's got an ego beyond an ego. But yeah, he's 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 built an amazing empire there. Um, that's, no reunion that's, with that's the Cowboys at that time you played. You've not had a reunion with the Cowboys the time you played with them. Never been called back once in the since nineteen eighty three when I left, which is you know it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of sad. I I've been called back once to Indianapolis for the fortieth reunion of the. Baltimore Colts to moving to Indianapolis, which I was a part of, but I've been called every single year since I left in 1994 with the Raiders and been flown back. They take care of the flights, our hotels, the food, the entertainment, the Napa Valley bus tours. Um, it's it's just remarkable. My wife and I just came back from there, or I, yeah, we were just back there uh, just this last week. And uh, it was just a great experience up there doing some book signings and they had me walking around uh, in the suites doing playing ambassador, um, just appreciating, thanking everybody that uh, was in the suites, uh, you know, just supporting the Raiders. And That's interesting stuff. Why? We'll have to shout out to the Cowboys, especially I was in Dallas for two years. What's up? They got to contact Steve Wright, have him out in Dallas for something. Uh, maybe a speaking engagement of some sort so that you can get that reunion together. There's some amazing players you played with in 83, the year that you lost to Dwight Clark and Joe Montana and the 49ers. I mean, maybe they just want to forget that year. Who knows? Even the guy who was playing right guard for the longest run in NFL history for the Cowboys, they have not been called back. Oh my. Have you been talked to ever Tony Dorsett lately? Um, sure. I talked to him. Uh, I talked to him this last summer when I was writing the book. We talked a few times. Um, he's great. He was just chilling at home and happy to endorse my book. And um, we had some good laughs about that play and that game at night. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he's he's just such a great soul and quiet and um, yeah, just a, a beautiful man. All right. Best place to go is writeauthor.com. Check out and or purchase the book on Amazon, Aggressively Human. But it's great to talk Cowboys. That's the, and I guess that's because, it, so I guess you root for not just the Raiders, but the Cowboys every week too. Yeah, and I think the I think the Raiders are, are you know, they're kind of slipping again this year. Um, I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. So, yeah, I'll, I'll shift a little bit and go over to the Cowboys and jump on their bandwagon, you know, from here out. Uh, it depends on their schedule. That's the whole thing. This unbalanced schedule that might be the only reason because that that NFC East is turning into a pretty juggernaut, even with the Giants and that young quarterback. Well, I'm friends with the agent of that quarterback, and I can't get back with the agent to talk to him about collaborations because he's shocked how great he's doing this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, so you know, so who knows where these opportunities come from? Everywhere I'm contacting everybody. I just got to get out of my studio and to see you guys, but I appreciate it again. Writeauthor.com. Appreciate it, Steve and look forward to chatting with you again. Thanks, Neil. All right. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley show. We'll be back in just a moment.